it comes all from the dream. You just need to to close your eyes, to let yourself go and to dream about what you want to be and where you want to be without but and just let it go. And after you realize what you want, you can start doing without also putting the questions, but how? No, just start, just do it. Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories secrets and tips with you Hello guys, you're listening to Belladance Live podcast and on today's show we have amazing Julia Farid who is not only successful international dancer but also my very dear friend. <laughs> she is head of dance group Isadora Group as well as Isadora Dance Academy, organizer of Isadora Cup, Crazy Bazaar and Isadora Winter Camp and also First winner of Run the Camel, of course, 2012, among multiple other competitions. Thank you so much for taking your time to uh, be on today's podcast and uh, uh, sharing your experience and a little inspiration with uh, all other dancers. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here and to have this conversation. I feel very excited about what we're going to speak about. Oh, thanks. So, Julia, I know all our listeners always uh, love to hear how everything started. So, tell us from the very beginning, how did your belly dance journey start? Oh, I started from the very beginning. It's uh, going to be a quite strange and funny story because <laughs> I was never thinking about belly dance and I was really interested in Indian dance. And I started searching for a studio where I can study actually Indian dance mm -hmm. and my friend told me like Julia you know I found quite nice studio and it's not far from our home so we should definitely go there uh, when I arrived I already bought some CDs because I decided okay after the class I'm going to rehearse a bit what we have studied today and I just saw that the movements were strange and we were doing some some different stuffs I was like, okay, probably it's another type of Indian dance and mm -hmm. later we will start doing something with our hands and fingers. <laughs> no, the second class, no, again. And, and then I heard in the, um, in the dance studio backstage how their students were speaking like, oh, you know, when I started ballet dance, I felt this and that. And I was like, oh, girls, is here a ballet dance school as well? And they looked at me in a very strange way like, Julia, actually, you are studying with us and you are studying ballet dance. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, it was 14 years ago, probably. And at that time, there were no lot of dance studios in Kyiv. And it was no information about that. We even didn't use internet like we're using it now. Uh, we had the DLAP, 
if you remember, mm -hmm. when you had to call in modem and they were calling you back and you were using that very slow internet. So it was so hard to find in information about that. And uh, for me, I heard nothing about ballet dance. So I, I started it occasionally. It was simply a mistake, <laughs> which really became then a whole life. Well, we are very lucky with uh, such mistake of yours, <laughs> because now we have you as an amazing uh, dancing teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, my friend is still joking, like, Julia, you owe me. You owe me a lot of money. <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> because if not me, you would never start that dance, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why did you decide then to continue ballet dance and not to switch and find uh, a studio of actual Indian dance? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. You know, um, before I was doing some ballroom dance, I was studying uh, sport dance, and uh, it was much easier to dance, like, with uh, move your hips and arms, you already understand the, the, the stuff, what, how, it's, how it should be. And um, I saw that, like, I see some results on my body, I see how it's uh, moving, I, I enjoy it. I really loved my teacher and uh, the group with whom I was studying together. And I was like, why not? You know, uh, it was for fun. I, I enjoyed it. I was attending classes uh, every every week, like one time in a week, just not, not that much. But I, I felt good there. So I decided, like, I will try that. Maybe another time I will start it and then. But then it, this idea never came back to me again. Mm, I see. Well... I can only repeat that we are very lucky with that. <laughs> um, and uh, what was uh, a turning point for you then uh, you start thinking about ballet dance a little bit more serious than just a hobby, but maybe even thinking about it as a possible career uh, as you have it right now. But do you remember that transition period that the meaning of ballet dance start changing Yeah, I do. I do. Actually, it was uh, an idea of our teacher Uh, that you probably remember this teacher uh, because we were studying together, Jana. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, I think and we should was... clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Here is another point to speak about because we know each other for many years and we were dancing together. That I'm very happy to speak with you now, knowing you and like remembering all these our you know crazy performances, first performances uh, without knowledge, without but just with the wish to dance. And our experience together on the stage, it was, it was really great time. So actually when uh, uh, our teacher uh, said like, uh, you know, girls, you can start uh, teaching, you can uh, choose maybe like uh, the region where you want uh, to, let's say the district where you want to teach and you can start the classes with the beginners. And I felt like, oh, it's going to be a new experience. It's something new. Okay, I was not that good to, to teach, saying the truth. But I had a big wish to to start something, so I had the I started the classes for mostly my friends and the total beginners. And step by step, it started developing. Then I realized that what I know is not enough at all to be a dancer. <laughs> so both of us, you and me, we continued studying. We continued improving our um, level, and um, you know I. 
I, I didn't see myself as a performer mostly. I was more interested in choreography and teaching in the studio. I really loved that, but I was very shy. I was extremely shy to perform on the stage, like uh, as a soloist dancer. And I felt like, oh, there are so many beautiful dancers, amazing, cool dancers, and I'm not that good to, you know, to be among them. So I would prefer to stay you know, in the shadow. And, and, and just to, to work in the studio, just to work with my with my students. So I didn't think about um, the career of the performer or about the competitions. I was mostly um, doing my job in the, in the school, like I said, backstage preparing mm -hmm. my students to go on it. That sounds new. I didn't know this about you. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a long period, <laughs> quite long period. I'm really very surprised to hear that you were not much interested in uh, performing career or aspect of ballet dance because uh, as far as I know, you also did a lot of uh, competitions as a participant. So how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, um, I started dancing, it was 2004 and my first um, competition was I guess 2011. Oh, wow. So, you know, it, it, it passed, actually, yeah, it passed around seven years before I, maybe 2010, so like six, seven years for sure. And uh, when I uh, started attending the competitions, I was already, mm, that's okay, if we speak how it's now, it should be the uh, semi-professional level, amateur semi-professional level, more something like that, like, like we distinguish it in Ukraine now. And um, when I went to the first competition, I was scared like hell. I didn't say a word to nobody. I didn't say a word to my to my parents, to my students. I simply left to another city, and uh, I took part in that competition, and I won it. It was I still remember it was two categories: Raksharki and uh, folklore, mm -hmm. and I won it. And oh my god, I I felt like I have wings. And I was like, no, that's, but that means that I can do something. I mean, I can, I can continue that way. And, you know, I was not even preparing for that competition. I just simply decided, I decided to push myself. I decided it in a flash, like, okay, next week I'm going there. I, I sent my registration, they accepted. And I was like, okay, I'm going there. Mm. And that was the way how I, how I started going to the competitions. But in general, I took the competitions probably maybe 10, 12 times I see. in all my entire life. So it was not that experience like the dancers have now when they're participating every weekend, you know, they're going and then they're dancing five, six uh, dances in a row uh, in, their, in the competition. So for me, it was like I was going one time in four or five months. And what was really important for me, it was to check who are their judges. Mm -hmm. Because I decided like, okay, I really need to know that I wish to know their opinion of these people. It has to be important for me. That is making some difference with the competitions now, that there are so many. And sometimes if you ask the participant, who are the judges, they will like say, but I don't know. Oh. Because at that time it was rare, but it was, you know, it was something very important. I don't know. It was something like you go to the competition. If you win the competition, it seems all Facebook knows about that. Because now it's there are so many that you cannot you cannot even say how many festivals are in the same weekend, right? Right. Yes. Well, that's very very interesting, and I think very useful to hear for all dancers that competitions can be very great resource to find opinion of people who 
you care about and who you respect as artists because they're actually there to sit and watch you and pay attention to you. So using competition as a developing an educational tool, like in your case, I think it's a great thing and many dancers forget about this aspect of competitions today. True, true. I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, it is like that. And when I'm asking my students, for example, why are you going to the competition? This or that doesn't matter. And they're like, oh, just, you know, to perform, to compete. And I'm like, okay, that's good. It's a good point because anyway, you need to perform a lot if you want to be better and better. But what is pushing you to perform in the competition? Okay, you probably, you want to see that you're better or worse than somebody, which is okay. It's another point to speak about because I don't think it's going to be, it can be really like that. It's some very hard to, to compare people with different technique and different um, attitude. Mm-hmm. And, but it's something else. I, I'm asking like, what about the, the, the judges? I mean, you should be interested in your way, how you want to improve. If, for example, you're going to know today on the stage and you know that um, probably you are weak at this point and at this point, maybe it's not that um, you're working good with music or maybe the choreography is not strong enough or you made the wrong choice of movements for this music and this attitude and you're asking nothing. So you just perform uh, you get, for example, the bad marks. You get bad marks from the judges and you are simply leaving, being upset and you are saying like, oh, it was not fair or uh, I'm so upset, I don't want to perform anymore. And just ask yourself why. And then you need judges for that because that's who are judging you and can tell you like, look, this is not correct. This is better to do in this way or in that way. So this is the way of your self-improvement. So I think this is a, one of the most important parts of the competitions. Mm-hmm. For me, I still remember, even when I was winning the competitions, I was coming to the judges and asking what was wrong. And very often I heard the answer like laughing. Like, Julia, you won the competition. What do you want? I'm like, no, it's not that I won. Okay, probably tonight I was a bit better than other girls but it doesn't make me perfect, right? Mm-hmm. So probably I was doing a lot of mistakes, but there were less mistakes than were done by other dancers. So I guess I should know what I can improve, what I can add to my dance next time, so I will be better next time, not only among these dancers, but for myself. So it's the competition is also kind of the way of uh, cleaning your technique and making your performances better every time that you perform. Well, I really love what you've just said, that uh, you go and ask what can be better, even then you won the competition, because there is no limits to developing your skills, and uh, it's valuable to treat uh, the results uh, uh, the same way, either they are good or bad from whoever's point of view, because uh, uh, sometimes the failure can also actually be good <laughs> for you as a dancer on the long term <laughs> and then later you see that oh that was failure I thought but it pushed me to be better yeah. as well as uh, <laughs> uh, if you won and you relaxed it doesn't really serve you any anymore so I really really love the fact that you uh, mentioned that you would go to judges even in the cases that you have won competition like many people would question like what what do you want from us now <laughs> you won yeah yeah like you took your first place yeah <laughs> but it's not about the places at the end it's it's just about the about growing and even every like 
every dancer uh, performing like we're not machines we're we are live people and when we're dancing on the stage something is really good we do some parts really in amazing way and then some parts we we fail it's it can be or even with the mood like you start with a great mood and then you finish it in another one so it's always good to Okay, to be or judge for yourself if you are not going to the competitions because you should be your main judge. And also the uh, ask the experts and never be shy to ask the opinion of uh, dancers whom you respect or whose opinion is important for you. It's like it's never late to to, stu- to study, yeah? And it's it's not it's no shame to study. It's very good. On the contrary, it's very good. Whatever the level you are, you cannot be perfect. So every time you do something, you have to analyze how you did it, how was your performance and what you can improve and which po- uh, points are really strong. So it's not only about blaming yourself, like, no, this is bad and this is bad. It's also not a good way. But to be a good judge, you know, to see bad and good points and to know what you want to keep next time, but what also you want to change next time. There is no shame in studying. I think it's my new favorite quote from Julia Farid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a treasure, a treasure one and a good reminder for everyone. <laughs> okay, so we talked a little bit about how you started your belly dance journey and how you started your competition journey. But what about all these international travels that you have right now? What was your first uh, invitation to teach and or perform internationally <laughs> and where it came from? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I had one trip to Italy. It was 2012 and it was uh, a belly fusion festival organized by Elisabetta Ricci. And it's a very nice festival in Italy. And I took, uh, she invited me like, Julia, you should come and take part in the competition. And I was like, mm, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then my mom pushed me like, Julia, go, I mean, go and try. Okay, um, I tried, I won that competition. And for me, it was that very successful day, probably. Not just because I won the competition. Yeah, okay, that was, it was cool. But uh, I got some invitations from there. And I was noticed by uh, some organizers. And uh, that started developing my new way of, uh, of dance. Uh, I started traveling as a teacher. And my first uh, trip, I guess, it was uh, Italy. Yeah, and it was the... Um, I don't remember the name of the event, but it was there not far from Milano. And after uh, I went to Korea and to Seoul uh, to teach at the World Ballet Dance Convention. So there were my first trips, like that made me very happy and inspired, like, oh my God, I can do that. You know, I start tra- traveling and I can develop my career in this way. But, you know, it was always my goal. Saying the truth, I always knew what I want. Like, whatever was happening in my dancing life, and I was many times, I was upset and thinking like, no, it's time to stop it. I'm not that good and blah, 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 and this and that. But at the same time, I was all the time following my idea like I want to be a teacher and I want to be international teacher I love teaching it's my passion since I'm a kid because only you know like some years ago I I realized that when I was five years old I was playing with my toys like I'm the teacher dance Mm -hmm. teacher I was uh, I was the coach for them and my toys were dancing like somebody good somebody bad I started laughing so much when I when I realized that that actually it it came from my 
kid's dream and it it happened really like that so yeah my first trips it was some i think it was 2013 not that long time ago actually but uh, it inspired me a lot and gave me gave me the understanding what i want to next wow that's so awesome <laughs> And uh, <laughs> since then, uh, since your first trip, like it's, uh, I don't know, only five, seven, no, five, six years, I guess. Uh, yes. Yeah. How many trips uh, do you have now? You're traveling all, all the time, I, I think. <laughs> uh, so how many trips uh, on average do you have? Or let's say in 2017 or plan 2018. <laughs> oh God, you know, it's very, it's very hard to, uh, to, to say because it's like, Every month, almost like around three weeks, I'm traveling. Like I'm trying to leave one week, uh, one weekend without trips. Uh, but sometimes it's like uh, four or five trips in a row. And then I'm trying to make one week break or two weeks break. But for example, I'm, I often teach in China and I'm going there like two, three times in a year. But I'm going to teach like for one month. Mm. And I'm working there every day, five hours. So I teach like 90 hours. Yeah. And of course, after that, I need few weeks to rest. <laughs> but yeah, so it's 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 really a lot. But it's it's great. I mean, yeah, of course, you are tired when you are traveling. It's not that fun as many people may think sometimes. Because when I started traveling, I remember I was uh, I had the wish to see all sightseeing. I was coming. Then I slept maybe one two hours um, after the plane, and then I was like, okay, no, let's go to see something. I was waking up early before my workshops. I was going around to, to see the city. Then I was coming back, having the workshop, then changing, having the uh, show, and then the next day doing the same if I had the chance to go to see something. And of course, <laughs> last two years, I see on the hotel, airport, hotel, uh, theater, <laughs> classroom hotel and then again airport so yeah it be it's it's really a lot but it's oh my god it's such a great thing to meet new people to meet the dancers from different countries it's such a it's not only i'm coming as a teacher it's such a great exchange of energy of experience and meeting new friends that's that's amazing that's the best part it's not only about traveling and to see the new places it's not about the places for that you can always travel as a tourist but it's something incredible to to have the dance family like i know you know i will go to brazil mm -hmm. i will meet my friends there i will go to guatemala i will meet my friends there i go to singapore i have a friend there it's that is cool you know it's uh, something that is making me um, very happy about this type of uh, work wow so friends sightseeing workshops show and not to forget after show parties <laughs> It's quite a lot. Oh my god, parties, festival parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you travel like in Europe. It's oh my god, Italy, Spain, these countries there. It's if you go to teach in Italy and or to participate in the fest to the festival in Italy, uh the show will finish definitely at one, mm -hmm. two o'clock because Italian time is quite Egyptian time, you know, mm -hmm. when something starts two hours later. And uh after that, of course you have to go to have dinner all together with teachers, with uh, competitors, participants, everybody. And uh, yeah, it's normally finishes very, very late. And then you are thinking, okay, I have the workshop in the morning, but it's okay, I will sleep another time. And then you're just repeating uh, every weekend to yourself that you will sleep another time. So uh, you know what, I've studied, I've studied to sleep in the plane, 
before it uh, took off. <laughs> I I'm just sitting. I put my belt and done. I'm I switch on the <laughs> night mood. <laughs> That's a good habit. <laughs> um, what do you find uh, as the most challenging aspect of uh, traveling and being an international traveling teacher? Okay, um, what is really making me tired, and I think it's uh, all the teachers who are traveling will agree, it's the, um, it's the flights and the change time, uh, time of time zones. So the jet lag, these stuffs that you're like, you just got used to the time in, in for example, in, in Beijing, and then you need to, to move to Latin America, and then you're coming back to Europe. It's all the time the change of weather and the and the time, so it's making you don't notice it. It's actually not a problem, like I used to think it's not a problem, but when you start traveling a lot, in some period of time you just start feeling that uh, your body is becoming weaker, and you really you easily catch cold. Um, you're becoming more tired and sometimes even less inspired, probably, and. Uh, you just you just want to stop for a bit but it's it's just because your body needs some rest and to you know to have the food at the same time to have a sleep and because i'm i normally when i'm traveling i don't have problems like to fall asleep and but the last half a year every time i was traveling to asia i had a, such a horrible jet lag like i i couldn't fall asleep at night three four nights in a row I wasn't sleeping at all, like I was trying to fall asleep. No, I just see that it's my workshop starts in one hour, so I just need to take a shower and to go. And then the next time, next uh, night, I'm thinking, okay, this night I will sleep for sure, definitely. And it repeats the same, like you should be tired, but you cannot sleep. And then you, uh, you start catching uh, cold more often. That is not the point that you need sometimes. If you feel that, you just a bit to slow down and to take care of yourself. But um, all the rest, about the like, workshops, I started understanding the culture much better. So in the beginning, for example, it, I had the problems like I didn't know how to work with Chinese students because the mentality is quite different. And I was like, I was thinking, I can't understand if they really like what I'm doing or not. Or I just, I didn't get the, their feedback like you get it in Europe, for example. And... Um, they are more keeping silent. They keep. They are keeping silence, and you sometimes don't understand really what's going on. But then I understood their culture more. I understood how how they react on this or that thing. Why they prefer this type of music, and why they don't feel good with this or that. And when I realized that, it became much easier. It's like you know you don't have that wall between you and anymore. So I don't have this type of problem. So it's mostly, you know, this, just the things about, the, the, about traveling sometimes. And uh, also another point, if you travel really a lot, you sometimes don't have enough time to prepare new choreographies in the way how you want to. You know, you need sometimes that time and some inspiration, like you, you start... Uh, you start the conversation today and you feel like, no, I will continue in a few days. But you don't you realize you don't have these few days. You need to continue it now. And that's, I'm perfectionist. And sometimes I'm suffering from that. Like, no, I'm not happy with this part. I just, I, I need more time to finish that. And you understand that you don't have this time to finish it. So you need to do it now. And 
it's sometimes it's it's making me drives me simply nuts mm. yeah that was one of my uh, other questions i wanted to ask like how do you manage to train during all these trips and where to get energy motivation and uh, also like do you focus usually on choreography and use that as uh, the key to improve your dance skills and your own technique or you actually try to find some time and work on your own technique as well or do you do it in between trips whenever you have time in in key of uh, how how does that usually goes okay I will tell you the truth. I'm a lazy girl. So I'm not the type of person who is spending seven hours um, by, you know, by yourself in the studio to um, to practice all the stuff. Um, so mostly, I'm, for example, I'm making several um, choreographies for myself and I'm trying to make them in different style. That's how I'm working. Like if I'm doing the um, uh, modern, this kind of pop song, I'm using more modern technique and uh, ballet and like you know, modern choreography. Uh, then I'm choosing um, some old classical music and I want to move, let's say, Dina style more, you know, with small moments, um, with small contractions. So I'm, I'm trying to, then I'm doing, uh, for example, drum solo. I'm starting, I start adding something just crazy, some, something new for myself, at least. Uh, then I'm doing ballet, I'm trying to relax my body. And when I'm uh, doing all these choreographies, I have to make my body work in a different way. So this is for the best training for me. And then when I'm teaching, I am trying to do my best too. So I'm not just, you know, like speaking a lot. I'm trying to, to give the information, but at the same time, I'm practicing a lot and I'm working hard. So for me, this is the best way how I'm... Um, improving my my technique as well but also what I felt um, last year probably that I need more stretching and I need my body more strong so um, now I'm in Kiev I have some let's say two months to uh, work with my students to do my stuff so I decided to go to the gym so I'm working hard with the coach as well uh, going to the gym let's say three four times in a week to to keep my body a bit stronger to to feel it stronger and you know i see the results and i i really enjoy it and uh, i'm adding some stretching and also some massage for back so these things are also working um in a way that it's making my technique better because i start feeling some muscles more relaxed uh, some muscles are working stronger so this is that let's say my way mm-hmm Well, I always love when I hear uh, people saying, oh, I'm a lazy dancer, but <laughs> I do this hundred uh, different things. Like I teach, I travel, I cre create choreographies for myself, for students, <laughs> uh, I'm festival organizer, and but I'm a lazy dancer. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, but... you just feel, you just feel sometimes like, if you, just to tell you like, wake up and just go and start and spend half of the day in the, um, in the dance studio. And I'm like, okay, and maybe I need to do also these, and you know, because I also have the design studio, and I'm like, probably first we need to work with that, and then I will reply all my messages, and then, oh, oops, I have classes, actually, I don't have time to <laughs> to start my new choreography for myself, so I'm much more organized when I have to do something for for somebody, if I have their order, like, uh, to make the choreography, or I have classes, I'm always on time, if, if not, no emergency case, mm. 
But if it touches myself, you know, I'm like that bad student that does all the things the last night. <laughs> so that is, that is the part where I'm quite lazy. Hmm. Well, I think it's just uh, organizational moments and uh, priorities at uh, oh, yeah. each specific moment. But it's funny, like whenever we have a certain deadlines or obligations to other people, Uh, we're usually very good on performing things, but whenever it's something related to us or to our own goals, uh, we kind of tend to push them on the back. Oh, I'll do it in just a bit. Oh, I'll do it in just a bit. And then it's often last minute thing. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, I think it's also there. I don't know. I think it's kind of psychology probably. We are taking our responsibilities and obligations much more important than ourselves you know it's like i i read the i read the quote somewhere like if you need to say um you love yourself and you you have lots of things that you love on which place will be you actually because you will say like yeah i love my parents my husband my family blah blah blah, blah. and yeah yeah I also yeah i love myself yeah true mm -hmm. so it's something that we always have to do lots of things for other people and then we start finally thinking about ourselves just because it's like oh probably it's not that good that i'm putting myself on the first spot you know so maybe for me it's working a bit like that that i'm thinking like no first i, I because i promised to this person and to that person i have to do this and then i will do something for myself so it doesn't that matter much that i promise to myself as well actually and i need to also to put myself somewhere in that schedule But no, you you put yourself somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. I heard also from someone the quote. I'm rephrasing now, but the idea was that uh, being selfish in first of all taking care of yourself, it's actually serving the others, because in the better shape uh, you are, both physically and. Uh, psychologically the better you can serve other people and uh, this uh, applies both to work or just to self-care as a self-care like health or any other aspects so. yeah you know i i think it's it, it it makes sense uh i also heard it from some people like i don't have kids yet but uh i was speaking with my friend uh, who has three kids and she was saying you know um bringing up my kids i'm thinking Not only about like, yeah, I, I should teach them something, but I'm thinking that first of all, I should teach myself. I should become better tomorrow because I'm becoming an example for them. So the more I'm taking care of myself, the more, um, the better person I am, the better it will be for them, for people who surround me. It's not only about kids, right? But uh, uh, if, if you feel... If you feel good, if you are taking care of yourself, if you're uh, developing yourself in, in all aspects, uh, you also give the inspiration, you give an example to people who are around you. So it's true. I think it's, it's really serving to other people. And you're be when you can become an example, when you really grow, and then the people who are around you, they, they see that and they have more goals thanks to you. Mm, true so true uh by our own behavior we set example and inspiration and sometimes give permission for others to take care of themselves too <laughs> if they <Yeah>. see <laughs> see some example in front of them uh talking about health uh 
One more question. I'm very curious about uh, about trips and travel and career. Do you have any, uh, I don't know, tricks or secrets or just habits that you developed that help you to maintain health during trips? I don't know, can be white vitamins or maybe certain hour of sleep if it's possible or anything anything like that that you kind of know you have to do to make sure you um, provide some support for at least minimum support for your health with such a crazy schedule yeah you know i'm just uh, trying not to eat um, kind of fast food so i'm not i don't have any like diets or something but uh, i'm trying not to eat very unhealthy food and I'm trying to start uh, always the morning with uh, some nuts and something that gives me energy for the first part of the day and then not to eat late at night of course it happens <laughs> different because you know festivals and that amazing dinner after the show the gala show that you can never say no because it's it's important to have the nice dinner after the gala show you feel you know that's you did a great job and you need, you deserve to deserve. have this dinner. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm sometimes I'm, uh, I'm taking some vitamins, uh, maintaining my health, like um, just the complex of vitamins. And, um, okay, I'm forcing myself to drink water because I don't like drinking water much and it's very bad and it's uh, all the time that I'm doing massage, my uh, master is a dog. Everybody's telling me that, like, Julia, you have to drink water. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yes, I need, I have to. But um, uh, something special, uh, no, I'm taking care about my body, about my, my skin. That is important for me, like, to go to the cosmetologist every month. If I'm traveling, that I'm buying just uh, some products that I like. And they have to be always with me. And some must for hair, some, some stuff like that. Yeah, and just... Uh, Okay, I'm not smoking. Uh, if I drink, I can drink some wine, but uh, not too much. So not not that super healthy and uh, no restrictions so much, but uh, just to feel good. Mm -hmm. Just to feel good, not to um, not not to uh, drink and to eat uh, unhealthy crazy stuff. Well, like one thing I always oppressed uh, by you. Uh, what I see uh, that uh, these crazy travels and uh, crazy international festival life leads very often for dancers to gain weight because all these time zone uh, changes or so being jet lagged, uh, changes in the climate, they always mess uh, our body and mess our hormones. So this often leads to gaining weight. But you seem to be in the same body shape road all years that I know you. So I was curious, do you do anything <laughs> special? It's just a natural like body type plus uh, like just uh, uh, general um, general things. So thanks for sharing. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, saying the truth, I'm easily gaining weight. But okay, hopefully not that much. Like, But it's very often I'm, I'm watching my videos like, okay, Julia, more fat less fat, more fat, less fat. <laughs> I'm gaining weight and like I, I gained some kilos that is disturbing me. And I'm like, okay, I just need to eat a bit less at night. I mean, um, 
it's true that it's also like for example my father is quite uh, slim so I'm, I, I took that from him and I'm not uh, gaining weight really much and if I'm gaining I'm gaining it in my belly unfortunately only <laughs> no other parts that should be better to have more but um if I see that I just a bit reducing the portions uh, of when I'm eating especially lunch and dinner and then I'm losing some weight again. So it's just all the time, you know, plus minus three kilos, more or less. Well, nothing that visible to us. <laughs> ah, I think in some videos you can you can see. And, you know, I, sometimes it's very funny because, uh, okay, in some countries there... Okay, if you say it in Ukraine, like, oh, you know, you gained weight, you will make somebody very unhappy, right? And it's like... A, quite rude to say something like that but in many other countries and I'm coming from the airport and the organizer meets me like oh Julia hi oh you are not fat I was like oh, okay <laughs> yes I, I thought you were fat ah okay uh, thank, thanks god I'm not that that fat as you thought mm, and you look younger <laughs> than on the <laughs> than on the photos I was like yeah it's probably makeup and you know video making and it's uh yeah <laughs> it's all the time it's making me laugh like i'm not i'm not offended with these stuff but it's it's true it's also that sometimes camera is making us a bit different it's changing our appearance well for anyone who by any chance never saw julia farid i just would love you to go right now <laughs> to any of her social media see her photo or video and then you will understand why i'm laughing so much that someone says that she is fat <laughs> she might have been fat ah that's so funny but it's interesting like the different approach in uh, different yeah, uh, countries yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by traveling so much you also meet uh, so many dancers uh, who are just on their journey and um do you think there are many dancers who now have a specific goal of uh, establishing this international teaching or performing career? Or do you think that majority of dancers do it just for fun or as a hobby or something like just more self-developing? Like, what's your impression with all these numbers of competitions and festivals uh, and seeing the dancers from all around the world? What do you think about this? I do feel it's becoming more a business environment and um, what I really see is that it it's more and more becoming like a market, you know, and all these competitions and all these uh, participants, not all, of course, not all, but there are more and more uh, dancers who want to build a career and to travel and to um, to be famous as a performer, as a teacher. So I think it's much more than it was before because, okay, when we, you and me, when we started dancing, it was not many options to, to develop it. Okay, you, we were thinking, okay, we can have the studio, probably we can perform in some restaurants and the parties. Hmm, then, okay, it started developing, we can make shows and yeah, step by step. But uh, now there are so many examples of the dancers who, let's say, jumped on the big stage, like... Yesterday, they were just the, the students taking part in the competitions. And to, today, they're already superstars, uh, wanted everywhere, invited everywhere. And yeah, uh, when other dancers see these examples, they want the same, of course. They want to uh, to be treated like a star. To That is a funny point, but it's it's also true. Um, to be To become famous and followed by other dancers. 
So I think it's more more about business and more and more people think about it as about earning money, also as a teacher, as a performer, and as an organ as an organizer. When I started making my festival, I even didn't think about about money. Okay, no, I thought not to lose the money, but I was not thinking about it as a way to to earn money. It was just so prestigious because my okay, my first festival I invited Randa, and it was just mm-hmm. oh my god, I did that, you know? I'm working with her. I'm speaking with her. I'm sitting in the room with her like she's a superstar and I can organize it and I can bring her to my country. So it was just a prestigious thing. Mm, but it's good to think about it also as about earning money, I guess. Uh, there are a lot of organizers because they are doing uh, a lot of work and it's, I know as an organizer, how is it? And you're spending one year and then you're just thinking not to lose money. So it's, it's another point. Mm, but in general, I think... Um, there are more dancers concentrated uh, on dance, like on its career, on their career. Like, for example, in Ukraine, I think even the very mm-hmm. young dancers, um, kids, because, you know, now you, I've, I'm sure you saw that the kids are giving workshops abroad and even their parents, they're, they're thinking about it as about the career, future or present career of their kids. I can't say if it's good or bad. Anyway, it's developing. It's developing this fear in general. Otherwise, if everybody would be dancing just for uh, themselves at home, uh, it would not develop it so much. But it's something that is also a bit um, a bit spoiling the dance in a point. Um, sometimes you think, is it art? Is it still art? Or it's becoming just a marketing? It's, is it just becoming that... You need to perform this in this way because this is popular and this is working and, you know, people are eating that, they're swallowing that. Oh, and this, oh, probably if I do this old, old song, maybe people would think it's boring and maybe it's not, um, it's not so cool. And all the rest dancers, they're doing that crazy stuff with their hair and the floor are falling, bam, boom. And it's, it's creating the, you know, some limits. Like, no, you should do this and do this, and then you will be in the trend. Otherwise, you're kind of an outsider and, oh, okay, do it for yourself. Because the market dictates something else. This is the bad point that is killing art. But what would you recommend for those dancers who are aiming and thinking about dancers, their uh, potential career? What would you recommend uh, or suggest them to focus on or pay more attention to uh, on their journey and on their way? Uh, what I would advise, I would definitely advise to concentrate on your studying by yourself. I mean, um, to be not only a good dancer, but to know the history, to know the, the technique which has to be in this style. And because there are a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes in in Oriental dance today, and a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of um, I don't know. The, you know, I saw there a few days ago. I saw the post of Anna Borisova that she posted in Instagram uh, from the Rags of course, oh, from sorry, Randa of course, um, where she was a few days ago. Uh, where Randa was speaking about the Oriental dance and about the style, and she was saying like. What does it mean, Russian belly dance? What does it mean, Argentinian style or American style or this or that? I mean, it came all from, from one place. And like, if I'm the Egyptian and I'm coming to Russia, 
Do I dance ballet with Shimi? Why should I add, for example, uh, my own stuffs in uh, this culture and saying this is the new because it's the new ballet by Randa, Randa style ballet or something like that. You know, it made me uh, start thinking about this point that we are going a bit too far from the source and we're creating lots of new stuff, which is good, definitely, which is good because we're developing the culture in this way. But sometimes we're going so far that it's, it's not recognized anymore. And then the teachers, and that is for where I want to, what I want to say about this, the new teachers and the more the teachers who want to become famous, they should be themselves uh, to be unrepeatable, to be something unbelievable and something that they will say, oh my God, this is, this is, I don't know, Anna, this is Julia, this is Jana. She's like nobody else. But at the same time, you have to respect the culture from where you are taking it and to be a good teacher. So not just to be beautiful on the stage and to do crazy stuff there, but also to be that cool in their dance studio. So to be able to explain to the students what you are doing clearly, knowing your muscles, knowing your movement, when you put your hip up or when you put it down and not to, be con not to have confusion in what you are doing, be very clear, but also to be able to explain. For example, if you are choosing this movement in this part and you have to explain why you use this step in, in, in this part, because for example, this is Saidi and you cannot do Dabke step or whatever. It's a lot of things that are now, you know, they're mixed. And uh, if the teachers are bringing this information, the more and more people are swallowing this information. And it's becoming a lot of disinformation, disinformation around the world. So that is my advice for all those people who want to be uh, famous dancers and famous teachers and to travel. It doesn't matter even to, to be good teachers in their own cities. Uh, to be responsible for what you are teaching and to become better not only as a dancer because there are very lot of there are lots of amazing teachers that there are not that perfect dancers but they can explain they can tell and they can go deep in the culture and just just amaze you with the, with their knowledge so this is also important Otherwise, you can just perform, for example, with the with the bands in the uh, in the in the restaurants, in the hotels, uh, at the parties, uh, where the people probably will not be judging you that much, or you don't need to explain what you are doing, and you can some create some stuff more. But when you're a teacher, especially if you're teaching folklore, you have to be very clear as much as you, as is it possible, because of course there is also a lot of uh, information from from the sources that um, contradict each other. <laughs> if one Egyptian teacher is saying this and another one saying, no, 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 it's not white, it's black. Another one, no, but it's definitely yes. white. <laughs> no, no, it's not white and black, it's just red. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, and I think it's in any culture. Yeah, of course, it's lots of, of course. There's a very thin line between uh, trying to figure out what is the original uh, root of uh, the style and trying to keep it as it's from original source, but at the same time finding your individual style and adding something from your own either culture or from your own self as a dancer and artist and uh, still balancing between keeping a stick to how it should be 
originally, uh, although I am personally very critical with this, uh, how it should be, because it's always questionable, like, how it's originally actually looks, what is authentic, because the dance is always developing and changing its uh, how it looks and what the meaning is inside it. But at the same time, knowing the uh, history and knowing and understanding what you're doing is very important, of course. But it's it's really funny whenever you're trying to get into its roots. I had the same problem, uh, but more with Turkish styles and uh, going in, in my area, like working, um, trying to figure out uh, what's appropriate or not appropriate for each specific style. And then you go to one teacher, it says this, and then you go to another teacher without mentioning even another teacher. And this person now does, oh, this specific step <laughs> is the part of dance. And then you're like, oh, but I was just told like two days ago from another teacher, this specific step never used in this dance. <laughs> and trying to figure out what's actually authentic or original, it's it's another problem of its kind. <laughs> oh my God, you're perfectly right. But you know, it's the same about the competitions when sometimes the dancers are upset, like, oh, I didn't win. And look, for example, if you put mm, even Egyptian teachers, let's say three, four famous Egyptian teachers, and let them judge uh, well, who will be the winner. I'm sorry, I have no idea. Because, for example, if uh, Dina, I'm sure she, she uh, thinks in this way, Randa will think in the opposite way. <laughs> and another one, let, I don't know, let's say Surai will think also in, about in, a, in a different way. And Aziza will think in this way and Kamila in that way. And who, who is right? Whose technique is correct? There is no one uh, solid technique like we should do like for example when i was starting a sport dance and uh if you just start dancing cha-cha you have this step this 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 and they have precise names and they should be done in this way mm -hmm. here okay your knees straight oh no bend your knees oh do this do shimmy with your hips do shimmy with your knees straighten your knees don't straighten your lots of things and to say that one is incorrect another one is correct no both are correct but just that they came from different styles of uh, of dancers. And if, starting from golden era, Samia Gamal was in this way, Tahir Karaoke was in another way. And that was beautiful, that was art, you know? That is the, the also the point about the competitions and when we are trying to make uh, the same things. It's contradicting the idea of art that everybody has to be there, has to be different. So it's even the same, even in the same in the in oriental dance technique, that it has so many varieties, it has so many attempts, and of course about the, uh, the history and the culture, it's very hard to, to dig it because there are not so many written um, works about the history of Oriental dance, and then they're saying like, no, no, this man wrote this, but it's not true, because what I know and what our teacher was saying, you know, <laughs> yes. it's, just, it's just hard to, but what I wanted to say, um, what I what I'm thinking concerning those words, uh, that those words of Randa that um, Anna was writing in her Instagram about the uh, about the spoiling of Oriental dance or not spoiling about adding Argentinian, Russian, and whatever style or not, I think it's very important to be able to add something, but at the same time to explain where it's the line because more about more. For example, this is more. Egyptian way of listening music, of moving, of the uh, hip work. And this is, for example, here, uh, we're adding this 
and this and in that way we are creating modern dance so this is important for example just to distinguish you know so i think this is important for teachers at least to give their correct knowledge not just like oh you can do whatever you want uh it, it's it's not true it's not true if you are dancing ballet you should dance ballet if you're dancing what is called so-called modern ballet let's say modern oriental with the, now it's called modern oriental with argentinian flavor for example or just modern oriental routine uh you have to explain where is the difference that people will not confuse it with ballet if you know that i don't see a problem to dance it mm-hmm. because there are also a lot, a lot of egyptian teachers are saying like don't don't do don't do lyrical songs don't do modern ballet and i do not agree with that it's is the form of uh, the dance it's new it's quite new but it's loved all over the world it, uh, people like it uh, people enjoy these performances so why it should not exist to keep all preserved in in the same shape as it was 100 years ago so where will be the um, development of this form of art and just just you have to know and you have to to be clear like no this is not folklore this is not ballet this is not we are not dancing it in galabay we use modern steps and da, 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 and this rhythm and this you know then then it will be very different then you as a teacher you really can do some new stuff and also to be a good teacher of you know of oriental dance of pure more pure let's say egyptian style and it's so so crucial especially for teachers to really explain okay this is from tradition and this is ed- addition from myself <laughs> because if students uh, often uh, are not told about this they kind of start thinking oh this is all this tradition and then they grow in it they become teachers and they teach all those new things as if it is tradition so it creates this spiral of uh, that can really change the dance dramatically as well as important for students not just to believe blindly to one teacher whoever he or she is but to try to find information sure. about the same subject from as many teachers as possible and the question the material not the question i mean uh, not question the um teacher uh, himself but the question like in your mind is that part of uh, tradition or is it possibly some addition from tradition and asking questions like i think it's so crucial not just uh, consume information but also trying to figure out the information from whoever you receive it yeah yeah, yeah. you definitely you need to <clears throat> to analyze the information that you get even if your teacher is amazing and wonderful and says something like that okay first everybody can make a mistake so we cannot be perfect in everything so that probably we can do we can do mistake and um another point that the truth is always somewhere in the middle right <laughs> so if the four teachers are saying the, like uh, some different things the the truth is should be somewhere in the middle and uh, yeah it's hard it's hard and okay it would be much easier if um, let's say egyptian teachers if they would agree with a lot of things they would say like this is one this is two this is three but as far as they do not agree and different teachers who are the sources of this culture they are saying different things of course for foreigners it's more complicated than to to find to find out where is that truth well i can talk to you hours and hours i feel like there's still so many questions i would love to yeah. <laughs> to talk about but one topic that i definitely don't want to skip is uh, 
your own festivals in Ukraine? Because I know you have a few events throughout the year and you just uh, last year celebrated the fifth anniversary of uh, uh, Isidora Cup. So please tell us about these events, what upcoming dates in 2018 and uh, uh how those festivals are different from all other festivals that you see? Because I know you put the, your own soul and so much attention in, in creating and developing them. So I would love uh, to hear from you about these events. Yeah, that's true that it's all made with soul and with a big, big love. And now, tam 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 tam, we're not making festival this year. <laughs> How so? Yeah, uh, you know... Um, we celebrated uh, the fifth anniversary and it was really great. It was very big uh, and uh, we had a support from many dancers and that really pleased me that it was the first festival in Ukraine, I'm sure, uh, that had 20 countries. We had 21 countries, representatives from 21 countries. And that made me feel so proud of our event um, that it could attract the people from different continents and from people from uh, attracting people from different countries. Uh, the point is that there are becoming so many many events, and um, it's almost every weekend there is an event. And uh, Isadora was uh, at one point it's one of the biggest festivals, and uh, we decided that probably we'll move, be making it one time in two years. Uh, to make it more uh, weighted, you know, to make it more attractive, like people want to join and stay all together. Uh, we are still making an event, but this year we decided to do something very unusual and very special because it's going to be a retro weekend. Mm. So all two days we will leave all together, let's say, in a retro mood, in vintage style and in golden era period. So it will be even, there will be small competition, but there will be the um, uh, golden era diva where we will be choosing who is the best in this style. Mm. And yeah, it's something quite, quite new, I guess. And all this show, it will be not just the separate dances like you dance, mejance, I dance, drum solo, but it will be all connected together and all the dancers, the performers, uh, they will be, let's say, in dancing in one story. They will be all together in one cabaret. So in the style of the place where we're going to make it, it will be cabaret style. Mm-hmm. And uh, the our teachers, there will be two teachers. Uh, I open one secret. One is me. <laughs> <laughs> and another one where I wrote, I write, received the poster today. So it's, it's a very beautiful poster. And I will... Um, put it on Facebook these days mm-hmm. uh, it's an amazing teacher with, who also dances in this style so we want all all this weekend to be uh, connected with the golden era uh, with uh, memory for Samia Akev. I'm sure we will find a way time to speak about these dancers and to give some, them some honor and to you know it's, I think it's so beautiful time. It's such a beautiful time. It's such an amazing uh, period that I just want to take it. And from time to time, I want the dancers to 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 watch the old movies again and to refresh their uh, technique vocabulary with old movements. 
So that, that's why we decided this year we're doing something special. It will not be that big and it will not be concentrated on the uh, crazy competition like last year, three rooms, 12 mm-hmm. hours in every room. Yes. <laughs> but uh, this time we decided to make it in a bit more show style. Mm-hmm. And we are maybe probably, we're also planning to make a kind of the Gatsby party in a bit 20s, 30s. Oh, I see. Well... I definitely put all uh, links to the events in the show notes for all dancers who would love to check it. But can you at least tell us the dates, if they're already announced, at least the month, so dancers can start anticipating <laughs> when is this event? Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be 24, 25 of November 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all dancers, open your calendars and book those dates that, right now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one thing I, I just wanted to add, because um, unfortunately I couldn't come last year to the festival, but I was at first edition of um, yeah. Isadora Cup. And one thing that really struck me and pay, uh, brought my attention to is the atmosphere and energy on the festival. Because sometimes you go to festivals and you feel the tension uh, among dancers, especially if they are from schools in the same country or city. Because, yeah, we are all talking about great ballet dance community, but realistically looking <laughs> at it, we often have this tension, oh, you're from this Human, school or yeah. from this teacher, Human so factor. I don't talk to you all, <laughs> something like that. Oh, but at your festival there was this amazing energy that everyone is welcome and everyone is friendly and there is no division between schools or cities or countries or level of dancers uh, that really brought my attention to so I'm pretty sure that this uh, future event that you have will have the same uh, feeling and the same atmosphere as the one I attended to so Thank Good luck you. Is Thank it. you very much for your words. You know, it's it's so important to hear that because, uh, okay, the event, the teachers, it's all important, the competition, but I think that is the, mo- the main thing is the emotions that we get there. So if you felt it was warm and friendly, that's for me the best, the best thing to hear. Thank you. And here, just on this note, want to add one quote that I found on your Facebook page, and I assume this for you, actually, uh, that sort of sums up what I just mentioned, as well as your passion to teaching and international uh, festival work, that you said, there are no borders to dance. All the world can be yours. Dream, do, dance. And I think it's just so beautiful and has so many inside it. <laughs> Thank you. That's really my quote for a long period of time. And I'm also making some, um, every year I'm trying to make the workshops, my workshops in Kiev. And I called it Dream and Dance. Because it just, it comes all from the dream. You just need to to close your eyes, to let yourself go and to dream about what you want to be and where you want to be without but and uh, just let it go and after you realize what you want you can start doing without also putting the questions but how no just start just do it mm, that's beautiful do it and dance and you will get the results much much better than we even can expect i'm, I'm really sure in that it's just sometimes that we are putting the obstacles around ourselves. Like, no, I can't because and but. But <laughs> you can just uh, you can just relax and follow your dreams, 
and then the, all the world can be yours. I, I really do believe in that because all their limits, are, all, their, all these borders are in our head. When we are breaking these limits, we are opening ourselves for the world and we are opening the world for us. Hmm. That's beautiful. Well, before I ask you the final signature question of this podcast, uh, just tell us, please, where can people uh, follow you the best? Like where they can see all your dance adventures and uh, where do you share your dance art the most frequently? Like which social media or also for organizers who would love to invite you, should they contact you on social media or should they email you directly? How, like where can people find and contact you? <laughs> Uh, it's definitely Facebook. It's my page, Julia Farid. And uh, my page in Instagram, which is also Julia Farid. It's an official page. And yeah, I'm, I'm answering, always, always answering. If uh, I'm not answering, there is something strange. Probably the message went in the wrong direction or it's in spam or whatever. But if I see the message, I will always reply it. And I also and always encourage the dancers to write me if they have any questions, even if they feel shy or they're thinking, oh, Julia probably will not reply me because I just wanted to ask something about technique or about this music. But I'm asking all the dancers like not to be shy. If they want to speak with me about whatever, something, and they have some questions and, or they need an advice, they can always feel free to write me. Mm, that's amazing. And what are next uh, countries that you're visiting to, like in the next few months? What's on your list? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be France and China, and later it will be Italy, Japan, Ecuador, and 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 and, and, and. <laughs> hundreds of other. I see. Okay, so all links to the social media as well as the link to festival once it's become available uh, will be in the show notes. So for all dancers, you can go there and uh, click and check uh, those things, those resources. Uh, and to finish our conversation, I always ask the same question to all dancers, regardless of uh, what topic we focused more during the whole interview. And the question is, what makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again so that you keep doing it for so many years? Hmm. I love your question. I really <laughs> love your question. You know, I think that it's showing me who I am. Hmm. Because in our everyday life, we are playing a lot of roles where we are daughters, mothers, wives, and, and whatever, and, 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 and it can be endless. Uh, when I dance, I I just start really realizing I am a woman. I I'm an artist. I feel myself. I can open my heart in all the ways. I can show the pain. I can show my happiness. I can be shy. I can be I don't know foxy. These 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 so many so many things but i can just i can just be myself so it's the way of opening my heart and uh, taking all their masks roles whatever is around me and it's just the pure art and i'm feeling it's just me and art and i feel this connection like the i don't know like the rope between us so this is that what is the belly dance for me wow it 
almost brought me to tears. Like, thank you so much for <laughs> this. Was very unexpected, to be honest. Uh, but it's so uh, I don't know valuable in its truth and honest. And thank you for being so open and uh, vulnerable to share share those thoughts. Thank you for your question because this is a very important question that I think everybody should ask herself or himself when they are dancing, because lots of things they will come out from this thing when you will understand who you are and what who you want to be, what you want to be, your, even your dance will change. It will come out from heart without the goals, this, this, this. That's so true. Well, Julia, thank you so much for taking your time to be here today on podcast and showing all your interesting thoughts and experience uh, with dancers. I'm pretty sure a lot of uh, people found lots tones and tones of inspiration in this talk and um, thank you for just being and and for dancing and sharing your dance and art and knowledge uh, with us via either via social media or in person whoever is lucky to actually come to your uh, class or workshop just thank you really <laughs> <laughs> thank you Jana thank you very much for inviting me Uh, for this pleasure, for this amazing interview and for the questions that you put me because they made me also to think about uh, lots of things or to remind myself some stuff. And it was a great pleasure to hear you again because uh, you are my friend and it's not only about dance, it's just a great pleasure to oh, speak with thank you. Thank you. We should keep in touch more often, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I do think so. <laughs> thank you so much. Guys, Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming. Thank you.